Hello and welcome to episode six of Matchet and the Other Guy, the podcast which, well, which happens. Uh, today we're sitting outside my place down on Lake Wiley, we being my friend Kevin and I. Uh, we had a lot of rain over the weekend and um, the skies are overcast and grey today, but it is very calm and lovely out there, Kevin. And today, Kevin, what is our topic of conversation? Well, I think this time of year, I start uh, kind of reflecting back on uh, what were some of the uh, great toys I had growing up, the ones that you know brought me a lot of happiness and memories. And I kind of was wondering what of those were memorable to you and which ones were ones that we had on both sides of the pond and what were maybe exclusive uh, to England that I may have never heard of. Toys and games from, yeah, well, from, from Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah. Or whenever. I mean, just growing up, what was yes. important to you? Well, I was very into Action Man when, when I was, was growing up. And the, one of the main reasons for that is we were very fortunate to have in a town called Colville, which is reasonably close to where I um, spent my childhood, we had the Palatoy factory. And oh, I have heard of that. Yeah, so yeah. Palatoy, well known for making toys. And a, a lot of my parents' friends were employed by Palatoy. And Palatoy used to make Action Man, which was the equivalent of, um, I'm going to say, like G.I. Joe, like little oh, okay. soldier figures, yep, yep. you know, 12-inch, 15-inch high soldier figures, different uniforms and gotcha. that yep. sort of thing. Yep. <clears throat> and Palatoy used to make them. And so one of the great advantages of having friends of the family who worked at Palatoy is they were allowed to buy, you know, the seconds and rejects and the things that were going cheap that didn't quite, weren't quite... Didn't first, quite muster first, up. Right. So my, my parents, as in everybody's parents at the time, were always looking for a bargain to keep the kids entertained. And so a lot of our toys came from Palatoy, but... Uh, uh, action man was a was a big part of my a big part of all of our my my group growing up we all had action men uh, and of course the different uniforms and we would swap uniforms with, between friends you know that sort of thing so action man became a big thing yeah and then we had um there was a basic action man that was just very plastic looking and the hair was also plastic molded plastic and then second generation Action Man came along, and and second generation Action Man actually had like realistic hair, yeah, and yeah, rubber, yeah, rubber movable hands that could hold, you know, the rifle and and that sort of thing. And then came along speaking Action Man, you know, you oh, okay, yeah. pull a cord and chest, mm-hmm. and he would say one or two, you know, pre-recorded recorded phrases. Yeah. So how about you? Oh, there's so many, but G.I. Joe uh, was actually a little before my time. So by the time you know I came along, that already kind of had its day. But I remember having one called Big Jim, and okay. it was similar, but it was smaller. It was it was definitely smaller in stature, almost like a Barbie size, uh, where GI Joe was much bigger. Okay, right. Um, but I had that early on, and they had like a. I remember having a dune buggy with a trailer on it that had a fishing boat. Wow! So that was like his fishing set, and I had a uh, uh, airboat. Um, yeah. So Big Jim sounds like you know is he like a a fan of country sports and rugged outdoor activities. Just an all-around action man, <laughs> right. actually, kind of like <laughs> right. yours. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Sounds like that way. Yeah, big it gym. seems Call like I remember there gym. was, like, if you if you pulled his arm up like you were making a muscle, a muscle yeah. would form on his bicep. Oh, well. Uh, seems like that was familiar on on him. Um, it's kind of sophisticated. Yeah, I think it must have been made by Mattel, who made Barbie. Okay. I think it was kind of a 
their attempt at doing something for the boys. Right. Because um, I think it crossed over. I think Barbie had the same dude buggy, but it was in pink kind of thing. I think <laughs> okay. they used the same, same molds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I remember having having him and a few few pieces along with that. And then you kind of you would go through like what was the hot and, and popular would be like the hot thing and, and be pop- like Evil Knievel was a big deal yes. with me. That's early yeah. on. I remember that as one of my first big things I was into. Yes, I remember having an Evil Knievel figure on a on a motorbike with a little plastic ramp built into the box and put a couple of batteries in and Evil Knievel would jump over the ramp. They might have been different in England. Ours, you'd crank them. You had a little crank, and you'd put oh, the back really? wheel, and it would the gear would oh, connect okay. with the crank on the on the the starter or whatever. Yeah. And you'd crank it by hand. Yeah. And then once you got it going really good, and you let go, it, the, it would connect and take yeah. off. Oh, well, cool. And it would jump whatever and flip and flop and yeah. and all that. And it's kind of funny how I got I got my first Evil Knievel was the the motorcycle with Evil on it. I got it. For being, uh, for behaving myself as the ring bearer in my sister's wedding. Well done. That was what they bribed me with to keep me from throwing yeah. the pillows up in the air. Because <laughs> they found at rehearsal I was wanting to throw the pillows up in the air while I was bored. Yeah. And they kind of made a made a pact with me. If you <clears throat> do what you're supposed to do, afterwards you'll get this evil Knievel motorcycle. And I still remember getting it out of the closet when we got back yeah. that evening. Well, that's a good lesson in life, isn't it, really? Like, you know, do this task, do it well, and you'll be rewarded for it. All children should be bribed. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> may, not, may not be the best policy in most situations, well, but this time know. it worked out. Yeah. Well, it's a lesson in life. Yeah. I was. Um, I don't know if I don't know if it was unusual in my group of friends, but I, I would always take exceptional care of anything that I was given. I did. I did too. I were, yeah. we're two peas in a pot on that. Yes. I. I had a. Um, I had a friend who lived on a uh, on a farm, a genuine farm. I didn't used to live on a farm. I lived in an, an old sort of abandoned country house. Uh, but one of my school friends lived on a farm. And he was super bright, super intelligent kid who was destined for great things in, in academia, <laughs> unlike many of my peers. But he was, I remember to this day, like sticks out like a sore thumb. He was the world's worst at taking care of his toys and it used to bother me as a kid you know oh, did, you know the yep. boxes know would exactly be broken and about. pieces it would be missing and if it was if it had a series of cards some of the cards would be ripped or they'd have you know drink stains over them and it used to drive me crazy well because you can't play you know, you're ready to sit down and play with whatever and you, it's hard to do without all the elements yeah chess sets or you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, three of the pawns would be missing or, you know, we'd try and set up a chessboard and they would have no bishops or something strange or, you know, the king would have would have had his head bitten off by the dog. <laughs> I think, why do you stop the dog doing this? But, yes, there's some kids, you and me including then, included then, that would take great care of things and, and others which just kind of didn't do that. Yeah. yeah. It would frustrate me to no end to find, you know, yeah. it's in the toy box somewhere. Well, what do you mean somewhere? <laughs> yeah, where is it exactly? Yeah, so if it was, you know, like games such as Monopoly or uh, Risk, uh, is Risk known as strategy in in No, in we have Risk. USA? Okay. There's also Stratego. Which oh, Stratego, is, that's Stratego what I'm Stratego and right. Risk are two separate games. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, so all, all of those games with, I mean, Risk was, you know, Risk was a box full of tiny pieces, wasn't it? There's all sorts of, you know, there was different um, different pieces for soldiers and different pieces for pieces of artillery, and yep. then there was sort of triangular pieces for cavalry regiments and all these, but the whole, it's... 
it was a box of very small pieces, I remember. And, uh, you know, some kids would take great care of them, me included, and that all, all the pieces would be put back in the little plastic like Ziploc bags, you know, yep. whatever it was at the time, you know, and the cards would have a little elastic band put around them. And anything that needed an elastic band to keep them in place, and if it wasn't supplied in the box, I would ask mum or dad for an elastic band because it, sh- it should be like that. Exactly. It should be like, it should be kept, yeah. I very much did the same thing. Now, I think part of it is I, I'm not an only child, but my sister was 17 when I was born. Okay. So we essentially grew up separately. Okay. So we grew up each kind of only children. Right. So I think it is easier when there's nobody in the house else messing with your stuff. Yes, yeah. But that, you know, to, to that point, uh, you mentioned I would take something out of a box, play with it. When I was done, I would put it back in the box in its proper order in the in the cardboard where it needed to be, package the box up, and or set it back up yeah. on the shelf where it needed to go. Now, do you think that what we used to do, and it's, I, I think it's coincidence, or maybe it's not coincidence that we both used to do that, do you think that is something that gets carried through into later life? And personally, I'm thinking of, you know, when I started my career as a mechanic, that idea of of organization and taking care of things and putting things where they need to be just became second nature. And when I was working in Formula One, there is no question that everything had its place and a place for everything and you better take care of everything and everything was pristine. I think those lessons in life get carried over. Oh, I think they definitely do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you found you found that as well. And you're very you're, you're a much more organized person than I am. In, Again, in, in my, my wife just somewhere just laughed. There was a giggle somewhere. <laughs> well, well, I think you are. Well, you got this podcast up and running for a start. You've organized all of that. I mean, my contribution is just sitting here having a conversation with you. You take care of everything else. Yeah. I do remember one game, which is another Palatoy game. Oh, and this plays in precisely to what we're talking about, taking care of things. It was a game from Palatoy that was given to me by my parents from their friends who must have, you know, got it at a discount from work. It was called Haunted House. And it was a little bit like Mousetrap, where there was a board and there was a series of rooms that formed the haunted house that were the rooms were constructed or the wards were constructed by four pieces of cardboard that connected together with clips little plastic clips and the walls were clipped together and then the walls were clipped to the board with these little black plastic clips but they were particularly brittle plastic back in the 1960s and 70s and two or three of my little clips broke despite the fact I was extremely careful with them. And I was very upset with myself for breaking them because I didn't realise, you know, it wasn't really my fault, but of course you don't kind of figure that out when you're a kid. You just know you broke the clip. And um, I asked my mum to ask her friend if she could get some replacement clips from Palatoy to replace the ones I'd broken. Uh, and I had to wake at like sort of a, a fraught two weeks, wondering if these little clips would ever arrive. For my fretting, fretting frantically over these. Exactly, but she came through with these little clips from Palatoy. She managed to get me some replacement clips, and I was so, so, so pleased to have them. The game was now back to pristine condition. But yeah, so haunted house. You walked, you know, you threw a die, threw a dice, and you walk clip clop, clip clop through this house, and if you landed on the wrong square. You dropped 
a, a ball bearing down the kitchen, down, down, excuse me, down the chimney, which was mounted in the middle of the board, about 12 inches high, and then through a series of plastic ramps built into the in, into the chimney, the, the the ball bearing would fall into one of four or five rooms, whatever it was, either the kitchen or the lounge, or you know. And if the if the ball bearing knocked your piece over, your little your little guy over, you had to go back to the start. And oh, start so you're always again. in peril when the you're uh, always ball in drops. Peril. Yeah, so that was haunted house, but. Uh, yeah, great. Yeah, I must try and look for them. <laughs> no, we're probably going to end up on eBay after all this, trying to dig up some old stuff. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so were you a... F- See, the, I'm going to ask this, were you a fan of board games? But I think your answer will probably going to be the same as, as mine. Is If you grew up as, a, as an only child, it's very difficult to find folks that want to play with the games when you're a kid. That's you true. know, You need, you need other kids your age. You need your peer group to play with. And uh, as we've said before... You know, you said there's quite an age difference between you and your sister, so you kind of grew up on your own. Yeah. Uh, and, and I grew up kind of physically on my own, you know, kind of isolated from from my friends just by distance. I mean, the nearest... My, my friends all lived down in the village, which was, you know, four or five miles away. And uh, as I say, I, I kind of grew up in this wonderful old abandoned country house, which which is a great story for an, for another podcast, but I tend to be sort of isolated. So although I had these great toys, it was actually very difficult to find anybody to, to play with me. <laughs> you know, I'd be sitting there sort of building this wonderful haunted house or mousetrap, you know. You'd spend, oh, we, we had mousetrap. Build yeah. mousetrap. And I was fascinated. Here's another thing that, you know, I was fascinated by the the mechanics of the mousetrap when you oh, yeah. built the mousetrap. It's like a Rube, yeah. what, Rube Goldberg, is that the name of the person? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. very much yeah. on one of his systems, it seems yeah. like. Yes, you're right. Again, you had a ball bearing, right, and a plastic bathtub where the ball bearing would drop down the bathtub and you cranked something over to make it start and you know, there's a little chap sitting in the bathtub and yep. he got he, flicked out. He and, flip out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was, I was absolutely enthralled with this. I was enthralled by the mechanism itself how it all worked and of course i'm i'm convinced that all of this is stored in one's mind and is used later like when i became interested in mechanics uh car mechanics and engineering it's the in a way it's the same thing isn't it we're just playing with more sophisticated version of a mousetrap yeah a formula one car is just a sophisticated mousetrap well a has to happen for b to (laughs) happen and then c to happen yes exactly yeah yeah but i mean it's funny mentioning all kind of being isolated when you're playing toys with your kid as yourself right um like lego was a a great one anything you could build with and stuff yeah that was almost better by yourself because you're doing it the way you want to do it and putting it together and and all that. Yes. But that was a big, big one. I got one of those sets very early on. It must have been fairly early on with, with Lego coming out because it was just basically, mainly the, the bricks that we know of. Yeah. It had like a plastic base. Yes. Um, and then I think it had two of them that were wheels. So you could attach to it and then make a car or something similar, wagon or something with wheels. Yes. And there was, uh, if I remember right, there was, we referred to them as like sixes or eighters or fours or twoers, you know, this little... Oh, how many pegs how on many top? Little, yes, exactly that. The small size bricks and bigger bricks and bigger bricks. And, yeah. uh, and of course, look, look at the gargantuan toy company that Lego has become. And I think it's still, con- many consider it on list to be the number one toy of all time, I, which well, I wouldn't argue with, you know? Yes. I, I was reading... Um, Gosh, I don't wish this to sound pretentious. I was reading a book about philosophy not so long ago. It gave a sort of rough background of philosophy through the ages uh, called Sophie's World. Wonderful. It's a wonderful introduction to the field of philosophy. But 
without wishing to digress, there's a section in that book where the author is talking about Lego and why is Lego the greatest toy in the world? And his explanation was, well, fundamentally, it is like the molecules or atoms all around us. You can take the Lego bricks, build a particular toy, a particular design, it can be whatever you want, and then the next day you can strip it all down again and build it into something else. And the, the author's point was, you know, a, a tree is no different to us, to a fish, to a, a mountain lion. It's all constructed of the same things. You just have to build them in different ways. That's True. that's where we're going. And his idea of Lego was 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 exactly that's the greatest toy in the world because it become can become so many different oh, things. Un- liter- unlimited, literally unlimited. Yes, but uh, when I was a kid, we had no. Um, like you say, Lego, the company Lego has gone from strength to strength, but we had no ability to, A, we probably didn't have the money to buy the expensive toys, but there was no such thing, even even allowing for the fact that Star Wars didn't exist in the 60s, th- there was no equivalent of buying you know, a, a spaceship that was built of Lego designed on a particular craft. That didn't happen. Yeah. You know, like there is now. Yeah, they were just like building sets. Right, they were just then. building sets. They were just, <laughs> yes. Um, whatever size you got. You might got more in a, in a more deluxe set or something like that, but yeah. it was more of the same bricks yeah. or maybe added a little element. Of I love them. And I do remember the only colors that I had were red and white bricks. And hmm. I guess... No, mine were multicolored. Yes, well, we... we <laughs> We never had that. Well, and there was always other companies like Bricks Blocks, and there were some other ones that yeah. tried to be Lego. And did you, did, talking of Lego and therefore construction sets, did you have Meccano? Did that make it across like an engineering set with little, almost like Lego, but it was made of steel plates or mild steel plates and little nuts and bolts that you screwed That's, together? That in the U.S. is a rector. Oh, okay. Is director, it rector sets? Set. Right. And I would, I, as, if you had asked me what Meccano was as a kid, I'd have no clue what you're talking about. But in later years, like, yeah. I've heard of Meccano now. Yes. As, as an adult. Yes. But so, it was a rector here. And I really never yeah. had those sets. I just, it just didn't, I didn't. Yeah, I love, I love those. And again, I'm sure that that sits in the back of one's imagination to be used later in life. But I, I used to love playing with Meccano. And again, that, that, that desire that clearly we both share of taking care of things and making sure everything is put back exactly where it should be. Meccano was put together with the tiny little screws and flat nuts. Yeah. And you had a little screwdriver, flat-bladed screwdriver, and a little spanner stroke wrench to, you know, to, to fasten the fasteners together. Uh, but, of course, if you lost the little nuts and the little screws... You were doomed. You couldn't put anything together. So, yeah. I mean, I used to take incredible care to make sure everything was put back in its right place. And Yeah. Yeah. Well, another one that's really popular that I really I really never had these either. But you hear a lot of you mentioned it in, in A Christmas Story is uh, uh, Tinker Toys. What were they? And they were like dow- little long dowels. And they'd have round uh, wooden uh, discs. Okay. They would have a hole in the middle and then holes around. So you could connect them and then have it come out from that. And you just make interesting shapes or whatever and, and oh, such like okay. that. Yeah. So it almost looks like... Um, and they were around for, for decades. It looks decades. Like the, a bit like a DNA model. Yes. It, right? Yes. When you, yeah. Yeah, okay. It could. It could very much look like that. So, yeah. But again, uh, I knew of them. I just never had them. Yeah. And they were called... What were they Tinker called? Tinker Toys. Tinker Toys. Tinker Toys, because obviously you tinker around with them. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then I did have Lincoln Logs. Have you seen those? No. If you'd have asked me what a Lincoln Log is, I would have said it was a piece of candy from our... 
you know, previous conversation about <laughs> sweets and exactly. candies. Yeah. No, no well, it was literally little, little, uh, looked like things that you build a log cabin at. It was a long, cylindrical, almost cigar-like looking yeah. piece of wood with a notch. Where, like, oh, if you're really, really building a log cabin, well, and you, you'd connect them, and you could build these great cabins. And they had roof slats and little plastic chimneys you'd stick on top. No kidding. You could build different things with them. Yeah. But mainly, mainly it was to build a cabin or a house or a whatever. And you could do all different. Like, I would do a cantilever one. Remember the barns that are kind of like, it's got a small base, and then it's bigger on top? Yes. You could do those, because you'd have longer pieces, and you'd put it on the square base at the bottom. And I'd often make a, a corral. I'd make a fence around that part, too. Wow, yeah. So I didn't I didn't play with those a lot, but a lot of times, you know, in the evening when mom and dad would have primetime TV or something like that, I'd pour them out on the floor and make something. Quite often, I incorporated the Hot Wheels. I'd have a an opening at the bottom so they could have a garage space. Sure, yeah, yeah, I get that, yeah. And because that's another one that I think has to go down as one of the greatest toys of all times is Hot Wheels. Yes. And I looked this up fairly recently because I actually posted on, on Facebook kind of a thank you to Hot Wheels a uh, year, year and a half ago maybe or something like that. What other toy for 99 cents of that quality can make a kid happy? Just for And they're still 99 cents. How on earth? They oh, they started in... You mean the six, price now is still 99 cents? 99 cents. Okay. Yeah, there are some place more. But right. they when they started them, this is what, 1968 I think it was? They were 59 cents. How in 50 years they've only gone up 40 cents is mind-boggling. I don't know. I guess and they're still fantastic little cars. I guess production costs have dropped. I can only assume that. I mean, the company still wants to make profits. It's Mattel, sure. and I think it's, yeah. it's it's unreal. And the details fantastic. They're just they're they're quote guaranteed for life. Yes. We we used to have those in Matchbox cars as well. Did you? Have oh yeah, Matchbox yeah. Matchbox cars? was was yeah. Matchbox was here before. Because Lin, uh, Les, Lesney, is that how it's pronounced, that makes Matchbox? Okay. Yeah, I think it's L-E-S-N-E-Y. Yes, now you said that. I think, uh, yeah. They were, yeah. they were shipping to the, they, were, they had those in the U.S. long before Hot Wheels came along. So they were here before. Really? But I think Hot Wheels really kind of overtook them through the years. Yes. I had a fair number of Matchbox cars, more than Hot Wheels. Uh Again, I wonder if there's a power toy connection there. I don't. I don't know about well, that. Maybe I, th- I think was. Matchbox was an English company. Ah, well, yeah. Yeah, I think. I yeah. think that that parent company was. English. I wonder if power toy had a connection, whether it was through distribution. But I do remember, you know, not just our family. You know, all my school friends. We all had Matchbox cars. And I had this wonderful, um, and I don't know where it came from, but I had this wonderful collector's case for Matchbox cars. It was oh, yeah. blue plastic. I've still got one. Open it up and it was, and, and the top layer of cars were like in little orange plastic cages and you took one layer out and underneath was, a, yep. was another. I've got the exact one. Have so you really? Sitting in, in my, my closet at home right now. And they had different sizes of them and stuff like that too. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Hot Wheels came out, they were a Mattel company or a Mattel product and Mattel is the one that did Barbie and all that. So they were very, very established. And when they came out, the the Matchbox cars were fairly kind of slow. They created these, the Hot Wheels were fast. I mean, when you put them down a track, they go. Yes. And then eventually Matchbox kind of had to come along with their kind of similar design and make theirs faster and such like that too. But in in the States, Hot Wheels have really taken over and and they do a lot of sponsorships and different kind of tracks. And, and I'm guessing that. that, like early baseball cards, football cards, some of the early edition 
cars are very collectible. That definitely, would, definitely. Would, I, yeah. And there's, uh, I think one of them is a certain one that they only did one color of. Uh, I think it's called the Beach Bomb, and it's a Volkswagen bug with, uh, or not, or Volkswagen bus. Yeah. With surfboards, and I think it worth somewhere like seventy, hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I think it was on Pawn Stars at one time. Wow. Because you could buy yourself a really nice V-dub bus and kit it out with all of the surfboards you wanted for, well, I'm going to say about a hundred grand. You still end up with something. Pretty yeah, those the real ones have gone up quite a bit as well. <laughs> yeah, still end up with something pretty nice. But and that was that was always a good memory. I mean, I I remember Hot Wheels from you know my earliest days, always having those. Yeah. In fact, if you find pictures of me as a kid, I'm usually holding a Hot Wheel in one hand or the other. Yeah. Um, but occasionally it wouldn't happen every week. But I still remember Saturdays going to Kmart with my dad and. He'd let me pick out a Hot Wheel. Well, you know, so that was always nice. I remember the tracks as well. Uh, I, again, probably more for Matchbox cars and Hot Wheels, and I'm sure they were very similar. So there'd be there'd be sort of three foot lengths of plastic track that used to clip together, and you could make a loop de loop. It was Hot Wheels here, right? Yeah, Hot Wheels is the one that I think they were the first ones to do that here. And it's the orange track. Yeah, it had little purple connectors. Okay. And they still have orange track. My daughter has orange yeah. track Hot Wheels. Wow. I do remember one of the problems with the, the matchbox track that we had over in England. If you tried to make the loop too tight on your loop-de-loop part, it would kink the track. You know, it would yep. bend the plastic, and then, of course, you were doomed. It would, and this goes back to what we were just talking about, taking care of stuff. If you kinked a piece of that track, it would never be the same again. Yeah. Right? You'd see the, 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 the orange track would change color. You'd get that high... Um, it would be a high stress area, and the plastic would change to white. Right? Yep. You get that white oh, exactly mark on it. About. Yeah, and it would never, it would never go away. And that piece of track was never the same again. It would become, in my world, it would become a B track. You'd have to put it, you know, put it, you know, somewhere else. O- only use, only use <laughs> if necessary. <laughs> only used if necessary. Yes, because it was, you know, it was less than perfect. But well, that was the problem. That was the problem that we had. I, and we were just so. So careful with everything. As soon as everything got marked, or and again, we've talked about this. I think with 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 music, you know, I would buy albums and only play them once and record them onto cassette, so they would never get scratched. Yep, I've <laughs> gone through my entire life doing that sort of crazy stuff. Well, but like I say, we I think alluded to this one time before is like taking care of those things that were from forty years ago or something like that. Mm. Now in the collector's market. You served yourself extremely well yes. because those are the ones that are valuable. Yes, it's, original it's, boxes. Oh, oh, just, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's original boxes. If it's in a yeah, particularly if it's in an unopened box, like if you had one of the original what 70, 1977 Star Wars figures that were oh, made yeah. back then, and it's in an unopened blister pack, for example. You know that's the thing, isn't it? It's a bit like you know I, I, I'm quite, rather fond of books, but in, in the book collecting market it's the dust cover that makes the massive difference to the value of first editions true a first edition is one thing but a first edition with the you know with the dust cover that hasn't been price clipped and it's in pristine condition can make a book soar in value or drop like a stone in value if you haven't got that with it yeah and how are you with uh with chess did you uh, did you take to chess as, as a kid or not so much mm-hmm. I'm trying to think that when I when I even played, I played a little bit. I must have had maybe one friend or something like that, maybe a couple through the years that yeah. kind of enjoyed it. We'd sit and 
play, but not very often. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my dad was reasonably keen on chess, and he taught me to play chess as a young kid. Uh, <laughs> my dad, uh, you know, he, he wasn't the most patient chap in the world. Uh, and if he, if, if he thought he was, he, was being, um, he was being put into a losing position, if he thought I was beginning to get the other upper hand on him, uh, he would he quite often just kick the board over on the table and then claim that it was one of the dogs that did it and one of the dogs yeah. has run past the table and the chess pieces would be on the floor and that would be the end of the game, you know. So we'd, we'd replay and it was half, half in good spirits but I, he didn't like to lose. But I do remember, you know, that sort of father-son moment when, when the son beats the father. I yes. do remember that very game where I first beat Dad at wow, chess. Wow, yeah, I'm yeah. sure that was a turning point. Yes, and he was he was very gracious about it. And he said, "You have you have genuinely beat me. I did not, I did not help you win that game at all. You 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 are now better at chess than I am. Yeah, and I'm no great chess player, but I, I've, I've, it's a game that I, I like to play. I think I, again, uh, I like the strategy of it. I like to study it, and I'm, I'm you know that's something that gives me pleasure. But yeah. Dad would often kick the board over when, when it was going wrong. <laughs> oddly, oddly enough, it's, this must have been between between sixth grade and seventh grade, like that summer. I think that's when it was. I had this one friend, and we end up pretty much every day playing a game of Monopoly. Oh, yeah. We would just end yeah. up at his house at some point during the day. Actually, his parents both worked, so we kind of had run of the house. But we would sit down at the kitchen table and usually play at least a game of Monopoly about every day that summer. Yeah. I... I I have played Monopoly. Um, I've got to say, it's not a game that I particularly enjoy playing. It always seems to bring out the worst, the worst in folks that are playing. I don't know if that's a reflection of capitalism or what it is, but I don't know. That sort of desire to win at Monopoly, yeah. it, it becomes consuming, doesn't yeah. it? And you it know? can take a while. It can take a while, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but, nowadays, I mean, it seems like, it, you know, when you get into adult game, parlor games and such, it's more like, Fun, fun games that you know, everybody laugh or trivia, yes. or such like that. It's more, more the way that's gone. Yeah, you know, I tell you what, I the things I, I enjoy now. Um, it was called Cluedo in England and Clue, I think, in the states. We had Clue. Yeah, and uh, uh, I bought a version of that uh, fairly, fairly recently, uh, and I, I, I like to play that with uh, my girlfriend, and. Uh, it's a great it's a great way to pass a couple of hours but what we've what we've what we've done is to expand the number of variables slightly so you know off the top of my head it's things like who committed the murder in which room uh with which weapon right so it could yeah. be you know miss peacock with the with the candlestick in the library um and then we started to introduce what time did it happen? And we've made a little number of cards. And again, going back to just what we're discussing about taking care of games, I've made another category of cards to play with Clue and, and, and copied the cards exactly as they come out of the pack. So we have another set of packs now with the time that it happened on, you know, and, and the motive has also become wow. another one. Yeah, just to, it just expands the game out a little bit. But we, we enjoy playing Clue, Clue though, yeah. But that was another game. I wonder if that was also Paladolian. I would think all these things came from the factory in Colville. Well, yeah, in the, here, most most board games and stuff were uh, 
Hasbro, Parker yeah. Brothers, Milton Parker Bradley. Brothers. Those are three Parker that Brothers. I can yeah. think off right, right off the top of my head that were yeah. really big, big game manufacturers. Whether they went under a different name in England, maybe well, or not, I don't or know. Whoever I don't distribu- know. Distributed them, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, we, we we had this great connection with the Palatoy factory in Colville, as I've said, which which certainly helped us out as um, as children. And I have to say, my memory of of, of, of just Christmas in general. Uh, although we were very much working class, very much, you know, living from pay packet to pay packet. And the family was always much wealthier at the start of the week than it was at the end of the week until mum and dad got paid again. Uh, we, we, we always had fun things to play with on Christmas morning. We always had a few presents to unwrap. And the fact that they were probably seconds and they weren't perfect made no difference as a kid it was just the excitement of playing oh, yeah. with them well it adds a unique memory now that many many wouldn't have the same you know right yeah absolutely uh love i used to love christmas as a kid but again um it was not a matter of ripping all the paper off all the presents immediately and you know throwing games around the room and losing everything it was very much unwrap one present at a time inspect it and see what it is and Oh, this is a pontoon assault set. I remember that was another one with these little plastic soldiers. But um, so it had like, I think it was American soldiers and German soldiers and probably a pontoon bridge that was built across the Rhine in the Second World War. But the fun part for me was building the pontoon bridge. (laughs) And again, you know, make sure all these pieces are kept in pristine condition and they all clip together. And then at the end of the you know, playtime, they're all put, to, put back in the box, and the box was in perfect condition. Yeah. Well, one of my highlights, whether it was Big Jim or a Star Wars toy down the line, is right. applying the stickers. I love to put all the stickers on. Yeah, well, you mean like on, on uh, the little transfer stickers yeah. that you get? Yes, yeah, yeah D- I know. D- decal yeah. stickers, transfers, yeah. however you want to call yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting yeah. those on was just amazing because you had a, a empty pallet in front of you, and you knew where they were supposed to go. Yeah. And... Uh, that was that was always one of my highlights of, yeah. of Christmas morning was putting the turning the stickers on all the toys, and it was magic technology really for me. I was so I was so amazed with those little transfer stickers, decals, whatever we want to call them, where you used to just lay them in a in like a saucer full of lukewarm water, yeah, right? and and that would activate the glue, and then you'd slide them into position and and then try and squeeze the air pockets and the water yeah. away out of the little decal. And again, going full circle, Kevin, this is exactly, it is precisely what we did with the decals on Formula Formula One cars. cars. (laughs) It's exactly the same process. Yeah. Used to put the decals on the car, the track. I mean, if you're doing it at the factory, we'd have folks that would do that for us, you know. But if we were doing it at the track, if we had a chassis change, then all hands on deck and the mechanics would do this. But it was exactly the same, trying to put the put the decals on the car and make sure there was no air pockets trapped in there. Mm -hmm. And if we ever did find a little pocket of trapped air, it would take a very small needle or a very sharp scalpel and just pierce the bubble and push the air out of it and seal it, yeah. Well, quite often you change liveries a little bit, wait race to race. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, sure we did. Yeah, we used to do it quite quite often, yeah. Yeah, great fun. Well, I well, think that. this is a subject we're going to have to come back on because I think we could talk uh, talk toys for quite some time. So I think we'll revisit this one later down, uh, down the line again. I, I think it's a great topic to talk about, but not not merely because the fun of the toys and the fun that we clearly both share of taking care of them, but how these lessons 
passed through from childhood into adolescence into adulthood and the skills that you learned as a six-year-old taking care of things are carried over into building an F1 car. I mean, it's basically the same thing. Attention to detail. Yep. The love of it all, yeah. If you're someone that grew up with not knowing where anything was in the toy box, they might want, not want to let you loose on a uh, multi-million dollar uh, race car. <laughs> Maybe not. Well, there we are. Look at that. 35-something minutes we've been chatting for, and that's going to have to bring us to the end of this particular episode of Matched and the Other Guy, Gentle Listener. I hope you've enjoyed spending some time with us, Kevin and I, down at the lake in, in Lake Wiley in Charlotte. It's beautifully calm and quiet down here now, isn't it? All the noise is gone. Look at that. Quiet. A little bit of construction work over to our left, but the lake is absolutely silent. Join us again for another episode. Bye-bye now. Bye.